0: With over 5 million downloads in a very short amount of time, major outlets like Inc. are calling us the fastest-growing business show on iTunes. I'm your host, Nathan Latka, and here's today's episode. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Colin Earle. He's the CEO and founder of Agileoft. Before the company, he worked at IBM, GE, and startups as a developer product manager, and CIO. His vision was to dramatically boost the agility of business applications by removing the need for manual coding. And the company has now become the market leader in no-code enterprise software. Colin, are you ready to take us to the top?
1: I certainly am.
0: All right. Market leader in no-code enterprise software is a big title. Quantify that for me. How do you know?
1: There's a very limited number of applications out there that are truly Uh, no-code. We're leading the way. Uh, we were recently chosen by uh, PC Magazine as providing the world's best contract management software. And uh, in the Infotech Analyst Award um, said that the Agile Off Service Desk product was the market champion and best value. And can, you give me a sense of,
0: can you give me a sense of like usage? So, how many folks do you have using your suite of tools? Uh, wow.
1: In terms of companies, we have something north of 1,000. In terms of users, well into the millions. 2.5, well, between 2.5 and 3 million at this point.
0: Okay, and give me more of the backstory here. So for people that are not familiar with the company, what do you do and what's your business model? Is it pure SaaS?
1: Yes, it's, it's pure SaaS, but we also allow in-house deployments. So for the vast majority run on our SaaS service, For some, such as the U.S. Air Force that have a highly secure deployment, run inside their own firewall on the secure network.
0: Got it. And walk me through some of the backstory here. When did you launch the company?
1: I launched the company back in 91, but the the no-code application, the Agiloft product that's flagship these days, was launched seven years ago.
0: Okay. And did you bootstrap the company or have you raised capital? Bootstrapped. Totally bootstrapped. That's great. And where are you guys all based?
1: Redwood City, Silicon Valley.
0: Very good. Oh, my gosh. So you've really resisted temptation. You're in the lion's den, and you've managed to say bootstrap. That's good stuff. Thank you. (laughs) Why strategically did you make that decision?
1: The the, the proposition that we would be taking to VCs um, that we're going to be developing a product which will take in excess of five years to develop a full no-code platform upon which it's possible to build enterprise-class products. And five, for a VC, five years from initial investment to hello world—not an IPO, but the first product built on the platform—is way too long. And you know, of course, the VCs are calling us now that we've developed it, but you know, they tend to have a very short time frame. Um, we see enterprise software as being more like a marathon than a sprint, and we're making decisions based upon where we need to be and where our customers need to be five, 10 years from now.
0: And tell us again, you mentioned the US Air Force and some other customers, tell us how they're actually using you.
1: Wow, that's a a pretty broad range. Um, Well, come on,
0: but Colin, to be fair, that's like a fairly easy, I mean, that's like a business one-on-one thing, right? Absolutely,
1: Uh, well, let's let's take a couple of examples. Um, Roche has contracts with hospitals, with suppliers, And those contracts are not just a paper contract. They're living documents. They're living documents which imply imply an obligation on the part of the customer to buy a certain quantity of drugs, reagents each month, and for the supplier, Roche, to provide service and maintenance in those machines. So, you know, this is a way away from a simple purchase contract. It's a living, interactive document and back-end Supply chain management to ensure that all parties meet their obligations. That's one example.
0: So you're like Wait. just to be clear, that's like it's like an enterprise secure version of DocuSign?
1: It's an enterprise secure version of a living contract. DocuSign is just a signature part. Let's take another example: Chevron. Chevron needs to comply with the Sarbanes Oxley requirements. That in turn requires auditability. It requires a mechanism for tracking how Chevron, how each individual in the company, is addressing those requirements. Again, managed through Agiloft. Take Cal Poly, they have hundreds of thousands of students. Those students need to be provisioned with services, they need to be able to make requests, they need to be able to manage their assets. Again, all like what, like,
0: like computers they're renting and desks, In, or?
1: exactly computers, access to laptops, access to online trainings, um, access to security codes to get into their dormitory.
0: Colin, this seems like you cover so many different, sp- like so many spaces. How many people are on your team?
1: We we don't disclose numbers, but I can say that we have more than fifty and less than two hundred and fifty employees.
0: Well, why don't you disclose employee counts? Out of curiosity.
1: Uh, it's it's just standard practice for private businesses.
0: Well, I would actually argue with that. We've had about three thousand B two B SaaS CEOs on the show, and almost everyone shares their employee count. But there's a reason you're not doing it. I'm curious. Like, uh, is it a competitive thing, or you don't want people picking off employees? Or
1: we don't. Want, we don't want people picking off employees, and we don't. Well, really, what we're doing is we're not disclosing financials.
0: Yeah, that's um, so that's, well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So, how well, does employee well, count tie to financials?
1: well you can you can say you can estimate for example that each employee fully loaded is going to cost you between 100,000 200, and 200,000 dollars we're profitable if we if we stated we're profitable and we have 52 employees you'd be able to put a pretty good range on our revenue if we're profitable and we have 220 employees that also puts a pretty clear number on what our revenue is. And we just don't disclose that.
0: Got, okay, so basically, basically what you've just told me then, you said between 50 and 250, you gave me kind of your assumptions you're using, which may or may not be applicable to companies around the world, but you basically just said I can multiply 50 employees times 100 to 150 all in, and then a high range is up 250 employees at 100 to 150 all in, and say you're doing somewhere between 5 and 25 million annual revenue. So you've given us a big, vague range. Is that accurate?
1: Um, yes. Yeah. And I'll just say uh, we're, 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 we're a fair way beyond uh, five million or you know uh, seven digits. We're into eight digits.
0: That's great. Yeah. So you're, so you're between 10 and 25 million. That's wonderful.
1: Yeah. Well, really between 10 and 50, but yes.
0: 10 and 50. Well, that's wonderful. So tell me more about, I mean, are you only serving these enterprise folks or do you have kind of mid-market and SMBs using you as well? No, actually, that, that's
1: one of the things I'm proudest about is that we serve the SMB market as well. The same code that provides Sarbanes-Oxley compliance for one of the large, world's largest and most sophisticated company is the same code that's being used by a 20-person startup to manage the distribution of organic lunches to school kids in Marin. So, yeah, it, it runs a gamut. Now, that said, the majority of our customers are between... Two hundred and fifty and five hundred thousand employees.
0: On maybe this is a better question. On average, what's the average customer paying you per month? Are we talking a dollar or a million dollars?
1: The average customer is paying us, you know, in the order of a thousand dollars per month. Okay. The average deal size is about forty-five thousand dollars a year. No, for the initial implementation plus the first year of service.
0: Okay, got it. So you have a kind of a setup fee. Do you do any on-prem stuff or no? Uh, we occasionally
1: will go on prem to set up, but the vast majority we just do over the web.
0: Okay, so in, split that split that first year ACB down for me. It's forty five grand. What percentage of that is going to set up versus just paying the twelve month contract?
1: Uh, it, it depends, but typically in the order of twenty thousand dollars for the setup, maybe twenty five thousand dollars for the setup, and then. Ten to
0: $15,000 per year. Makes a lot of sense. I imagine with that kind of setup fee, that really enables your customer onboarding team and the rest of your team to only focus on real meaningful customers. And your churn is probably super low because of that setup fee. Is that accurate? And if so, what does your annual retention look like?
1: Uh, it, it is certainly accurate. Um, annual retention, and it, it depends upon whether you look at the customer count or the seat count. In terms of customers, it's about
0: 94%. In terms of logo retention or revenue retention?
1: Logo retention. Okay. In terms of revenue retention, it's over 100% because yeah. the, the existing customers purchase more than enough seats to make, off from the, the make up the drop off from the drop-off from the customers that we lose.
0: Yeah, makes So said differently, you are very much in the net negative revenue churn range. Yes. Yep. Makes a lot of sense. Um, Where are you finding these new customers? How are you closing new deals?
1: They're coming to our website. They're coming to our website saying, we have a need. Can you provide a solution?
0: How do they find your website, Colin?
1: um, Through, exit. well, for example, if you type contract management software, on the first page of Google, it'll bring up the PC Magazine review of contract management systems. And as the editor's choice, number one in that review, a lot of people come to us through that. Others come through review sites, like Captera, G2craft, Trust Radius. And I'm pleased to say that we are the most highly praised in those reviews.
0: CRMs might be the tool that I fight with the most. I just haven't found one that I really liked. I don't know if you guys are the same way, but they're just so tricky. And a while ago, I had a guy named John Lee on my show. He's the CEO of ProsperWorks. And... He told me they just passed 40,000 customers and 24 million in annual revenue. So they're doing about $286,000 in revenue per employee. And I said, wow, why is this working? And I said, you know what, I'm gonna try it. So I went to prosperworks.com forward slash love your CRM, signed up and it immediately became clear why it worked. Those of you that love growth hacking, you should go to that link just to see how they do the onboarding. That's prosperworks.com forward slash love your CRM. In short, it's like magic. you know. I'm not the guy that you know finishes the sales call and then takes the time to actually put data into the CRM. They have this magical way of just doing it and it's a beautiful thing. So every morning when I wake up, I just go, okay, what leads are ProsperWorks telling me to reach out to because they're most likely to close and it works so well. And you guys know I love money and I love only focusing on the leads that are gonna close. So I encourage you to try ProsperWorks. They're sponsoring the show. Check them out at prosperworks.com forward slash love your CRM. Folks, that's again, prosperworks.com forward slash love your CRM. Now, these guys, their business model is you you can pay for placement. Do you pay Capterra or G2 Crowd anything?
1: Uh, it, we pay in some categories. We're paying for placement um, in, in the list. And in other categories,
0: we're not. Got it. Yeah, no, I just brought up, by the way, this PC review. Yeah, you guys are at number one. Then you have kind of updraft, Concord on it, contract safe, Coupa, contract works, a lot of these other guys. So, yeah, that placement, I could, easily, I could see where that drives you guys a ton of traffic.
1: It does, yes.
0: Yeah. Um, interesting. So, are you spending anything? Well, I guess you are a little bit for categories you're not in, but in a given month, what is like a total amount you're spending on paid acquisition only?
1: Um, it varies, uh, but typically something in the order of thirty to $50,000 a month.
0: So not actually fairly small as a percentage of your total revenue. Yeah. Yep. And are you spending that in any other places besides these review sites?
1: Uh, let me think. No, not at present.
0: Okay. And when you look at your sales and onboarding team, plus your paid spend, in total, what are you paying or what are you willing to pay for CAC, customer acquisition cost?
1: Um, we're willing to pay in total something in the order of six man months or six months worth of revenue, SaaS revenue from that customer,
0: which is about six grand because you told me ARPU earlier was a grand. Yeah. Yep. And and uh, walk me through more of the reasoning. Teach us a lesson there. Why six man? Why six months of revenue? Six
1: months of revenue ensures that we're profitable in the first year. Um, now. The norm in the SaaS business, incidentally, is to be willing to pay up to 12 months of revenue. But we have a problem. We can't hire people fast enough to address existing customer demand. We're growing at over 40% per year, and we're based in Silicon Valley. In terms of revenue,
0: by the way, or logos?
1: Revenue. Uh, It is simply a nightmare hiring smart, qualified people in the valley. We don't need programmers. We just need people who have attention to detail and natural intelligence, raw intelligence. Um, and even there, it's really tough to find the calibre of ind- individual that we need. So we're spending we're deliberately spending less on, sale- on on marketing and sales than we could, because if we were to spend significantly more, we wouldn't be able to meet demand. We wouldn't be able to provide the implementation services to get to make those customers live
0: and happy. And to be clear, it, if you had a 12-month payback period and you were growing fast, adding loads of new customers every month, you would run into a cash gap problem since yourself. I mean, since you're you you have not raised money, you have to keep that pretty tight. Well,
1: actually, we've accumulated several million dollars in in cash. So, no, we we would be
0: good on that front. Got it. Okay, good. That's totally fair. Um, what do you assume lifetime value is of one of your customers?
1: In the well, it, there's there's a wide range. I mean, we have, as I say, we have customers whose deal value ranges between twenty thousand and one point eight million dollars.
0: Um, That's one life- year. One year contract.
1: Um, that's that's one-year contract plus the initial implementation. Um, so the lifetime value is typically in the order of half a million to a million dollars.
0: Well, uh, Colin, last time I checked, that math works. If you can put six grand in an ATM and spit out half a million over the first couple years of a customer's life, you use that ATM all day long.
1: Well, I, I, bear in mind, it's not the first couple of years. It's, lifetime value for us is typically in excess of 10 years.
0: Got it. And you're, I mean, you, look, you have the sample size to do it. You launched in 1991, right? Yeah. All right. Give me some of the backstory here, if you can. So 1991, you launched. Do you remember in your first year revenue?
1: Um, no, but it, it was a one-man shop at that point and Less uh, than 100 grand.
0: Oh yeah, okay. Less less than hundred grand. And fast forward us. I'll do every decade here. So fast forward to like December twenty two thousand. Do you remember what your run rate was then? Um, I I don't, and I,
1: I'm I'm going to have to to cut you off on that because I simply don't have those numbers. But what I what I what I could do is I could I could if you look at our revenue over the past seven years, it's shown a really startling rise. Uh, we've been we've been increasing revenue at Thirty to forty percent per year for the past seven years. So, you know, if you if you were to take a seven-digit number, um, excuse me, an eight-digit number in the range million. of you know ten to to fifty million, and backtrack from there, you know, given thirty to forty percent per year. You'd be more or less where we were seven years ago.
0: Got it. We're very close to the end of 2017. I assume you throw, based off that shirt you're wearing, a wildly fun holiday party at, <laughs> at, at the holiday party. Um, what are you guys toasting to? Do you think you break 30 million in AR? Like, what's a stretch goal, but that's still a little uncomfortable?
1: We have we have some deals um, in hand, which, if we're su- if we're successful in landing them, taking them through to completion, will represent in excess of fifty million dollars in revenue,
0: over whatever that, if they're three, four, five year contracts kind of thing. Yeah, but that that that's for
1: one individual such deal.
0: Yeah. Well, so tell me, I mean, your pipeline is what, what I hear you're you saying is your pipeline is very, very healthy. But do you, I mean, do you think by the end of this year you'll break the kind of magical thirty million dollar like actual closed run rate mark?
1: Um, I, I'm, I'm not going to answer that. I'm just keeping my fingers crossed.
0: All right, Colin. Good stuff. Let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book?
1: Probably Cat Crossing the Chasm.
0: Jeffrey Moore. It's a good one. Uh, number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? No. Number three, besides,
1: and I say no because there are several CEOs that I'm following. Name right
0: one that's not a normal, like not a mainstream one.
1: Uh, no, they're all mainstream.
0: Okay, there's there's no one like I'm talking like Elon Musk, Steve Jobs. Name someone someone might not have heard of before. I'm not asking you for your favor, by the way. I'm asking this for educational purposes for my audience. If they want to go learn from someone, who, who oh, search.
1: if search? If they, if they want to go learn from somebody, the, 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 the one that I recommend above all else is Peter Drucker. Peter
0: Drucker. So he,
1: Peter Drucker. He wrote a number of management books. And the beauty of these books is that they're brutal. They're to the point. They're direct. They're entirely free of fluff. And they're actionable. Um, there are, you know, there are other books which are inspiring. The Tom Peters books, for example, are inspiring. But the folks who have tried to put those books into practice have struggled, because they're not actionable, and they're more to do with getting you pumped up and enthused and the rest of it than in actually executing a business strategy.
0: Amen. Peter Drucker,
1: Peter Drucker is superb for the
0: latter. All right, Peter, number three. Quick answers here, because we're almost out of time. What is, besides your own, what's your favorite online tool? Slack. All right. Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Seven or eight. That's pretty good. And what's your situation? Married, single, you got kiddos?
1: Very happily married for the past 20 years. Wow. And how many kids? Just one.
0: Just one kiddo. Okay. And how old right. are you, Colin?
1: I'm uh, less than 60, but not that much. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, we'll say 59 are in that range. Less than 60, but not that all right. All right, Colin, last question. Take us back 20, or sorry, 39 years. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew?
1: Wow, that's a good question. Um, first, trust in your instincts. Don't believe you, don't believe them when they say it can't be done. Lastly, be humble. Uh, there's especially these days. There's so much knowledge out there on the internet. Any question can be addressed. Any 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 business question that you have can be found through research on the net. What it requires, though, is the willingness to look at that answer, look at a range of other answers for, to that same question, and determine based on your circumstances, your intuition, and your knowledge which is right. And nine times out of 10, the one that's right is the one that is actionable to the point and lacking in fluff that, you know, that that acknowledges that people are far from perfect. And that includes yourself.
0: That's good, Colin. I'm actually one last question here. You go home tonight for dinner and you got to look your wife in the face. She's sitting across the table from you and say, honey, honey, Today, I turned down an acquisition offer for half a billion dollars. What is her reaction? Shock. Sure. <laughs> so <laughs> let, me, let me ask that differently. Would you, if Larry Ellison writes you a $500 million check to acquire the company, do you sell?
1: Um, you know, that question comes up a fair bit because obviously I'm not going to be here in another 20 or 30 years. And, and here's the honest answer. It depends upon who's offering the check. A check from an organization that I admire, that treats its employees well, that's going to grow the business, expand to new frontiers, and can do a better job of growing the organization than I do than I can, I'll take a serious look at that. A check from an organization, and there's a lot of them out there, which are known for essentially strip mining businesses. Um, buying it for no more than the customer base, um, replacing the employees with low-cost alternatives or just keep it running for a few years as the money flows in, that I probably wouldn't consider.
0: There you guys have it from Collett. Be humble, uh, stay focused, and never believe anyone that tells you it cannot be done. He launched his company almost, Con, you're going to hate me for this, almost the year i was born in 1990 <laughs> 1990 Beautiful. 1991 he's now well over a thousand customers millions of seats doing somewhere between call it 10 and 30 million dollars annually maybe he breaks that healthy healthy annual retention over 94% willing to spend 6 grand to acquire a customer cuz they're worth over 500 grand to them in the long run he's spending very little on paid acquisition each month less than 50 grand his team is between 50 and 250 people out there in redwood City focused on building no-code software. Colin, thank you for taking us to the top.
1: Thank you, Nathan.